Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, I am joined by Mike Robertson. Mike's one of the strength coaches that I've learned the most from over the years. He's the owner of Robertson Training Systems and the owner of a gym iFast in Indianapolis. In this episode, we talk about program design and his system for training, something I think would be great for both young coaches and the rehab professionals as well. Welcome to the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Reinold from MikeReinold.com. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, I'm doing well, Mike. Good to uh, be back or good to be here for the first time. Forget we've done so many podcasts together now. I forget what we've been on and what we haven't. <laughs> I mean, this is awesome. I finally get to reciprocate, right? Because I've, I've been yes. on yours a couple of times, um, which is great. You have you have a, a great podcast. Uh, what's the what's the official name of the Physical Preparation Podcast? Yeah, you got right? it. Physical Prep so Podcast. It's it's a great podcast, Mike. Mike and I. I mean, we've known each other for a long time online, but you know, he's got so much great content. Website, podcast, um, even you know his educational products are top notch. Things that I love. Um, his coaching program, even if you want to train with him, his yearly program, it, everything Mike does is amazing. I, 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 I haven't been shy about this, Mike, to my audience, but like, you're the, you're the, like, you're the strength coach I'm like most smitten with, right? I think that's a good <laughs> word for you, right? Right. I but yeah, <laughs> I, I've always said that I, as I wanted to grow as a physical therapist, as I wanted to grow as a strength coach, um, I, I, I learn from a ton of people and I always keep coming back to you and your content. I just, there's something about it. There's, I don't know if it's just your educational style or if it's just that jive with what you, what you, what you promote and what you think. But, um, but I don't know. I just honestly thank you because I've learned so much from you over the years. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And, uh, the feeling is definitely mutual, man. I love learning from you as well. And I feel like we're all trying to just get better answers at the end of the day, right? You just got to find the right people that jive with your personal learning style. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Yeah. And I kind of modeled this podcast a little bit off Mike's a little bit, right? So, um, you know, if, if, if you enjoy these types of podcasts, Mike always has amazing guests, by the way, how do you get all those guests? You get you <laughs> such a diverse group of speakers. Like I, I'll get emails from you with the latest episode and I've never heard of these people, but then I'm like, <laughs> OMG, yeah. This is a gold mine of a person that I need to now follow. Like, how do you find all these people? Man, I think the podcast is reflective of the the ADD that I deal with in my <laughs> life. <laughs> if you're if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, like you kind of have to have your hands in everything. Right. I mean, you can't let anything go, right? So like I'm into training. My business partner is a physical therapist. So I'm into the rehab side, you know, social media, business personal development, like all these things are important if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur. So there's certain things that I really want to dive in on. And and you can tell like there's certain people I've had on five, six times already. But man, there's also just like, (laughs) hey, no, this person's amazing at social media. I want to interview them or oh, this person's amazing with force plates and, you know, in isometric mid-thigh pulls. I'm just going to go deep on that. It's like, yeah, it's very reflective of kind of how I think. But I think it's just really trying to find this broad group of people in the fitness industry 
so that young coaches or young physical therapists can listen and say like, oh, no, I'm really into this and find, you know, just pique their interest and find them things that they're interested in as well. That's awesome. And, and the way you do it is just, it, it just, it comes across so well. I mean, again, it's a great podcast. It's a great thing you should definitely check out. Um, Mike owns a gym in Indianapolis called iFast. That's, wait, let me, I'm going to do this. Indi- uh, Indianapolis Fitness and Sports Training. You got it, man. Yeah, I did. First try. I did that in the podcast all in one. And, 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 and I didn't, I didn't prep myself for this podcast. So I'm proud of myself here. That's pretty good. So, um, so (laughs) you own iFast. Why don't you tell us a little bit before we get into some of the good questions here? Tell us a little bit about iFast, how you got started as a coach. Cause I, I just think like a lot of people probably are going to look up to you if they don't already, but they, they look up to you and they want to walk in your shoes a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you started iFast. Oh, man. It's like such this long and winding path. And I always joke around. I say, like, I've seen every nook and cranny of the fitness industry, right? I've been in division one settings. I've been in rehab. I've done one on one in home personal training. That was all in like my first eight years, right? Mm. Oh, and I was a graduate assistant in the biomechanics lab at Ball State. So <laughs> in eight years, I've got all these different experiences. But I knew two things I wanted to work with athletes. And Second, I knew like I'm basically unemployable, right? Like, like yeah. I think that's a lot of entrepreneurs were constantly like, oh, I can do this better. I've got a great idea. And the person I'm working for is too slow to execute on it, or that's not part of their vision. So I did all these different things. And I always felt like at some point I wanted to work for myself. Well, about 2005, I moved to Indianapolis and Bill Hartman and I start hanging out. Now, Bill and I are both grinders in our own <laughs> sense. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing in-home personal training at the time. So I'm up at 445, first clients at six, and I'll work from anywhere between six, seven, maybe even eight o'clock at night. And when I don't have clients, like midday, you don't have clients. I'm writing articles for T Nation and creating Mm. content and videos. So I'm doing that for basically three years. At the same time, Bill's working four 10-hour shifts in his PT clinic, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And you'd think, oh, well, the rest of the time he takes off. No. No, Bill, Bill works six days a week. So right. Wednesdays Good. and Saturdays, he's training clients, like personal training clients out of his yeah. basement gym. Oh, wow. So it gets to be like 2007, early 2008. We're like, man, we'd like to think we're pretty good at this. You know, why are we working for other people and working these ridiculous hours? If we're going to work ridiculous hours, let's do it for ourselves. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. yeah. So we decide this yeah. basically in March 2008. We start driving around. June 2008, we find our space, move in. And August 4th, 2008, Bill and I open iFast. So awesome. we've been open like 14 and a half years now. Uh, direct access wasn't a thing initially. So he still kept the, the PT gig going for a little while. But I think three or four years later, direct access became a thing in Indiana. So mm. then he started iFast Physical Therapy. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> and you know, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I've never really like, I know you and Bill obviously have been partners for forever and he's a brilliant physical therapist that I think a lot of people look up to, obviously. Um, you know, I, I wonder how much you guys rub off on one another, right? I'm yeah. sure you do. Right. But yeah, like I, I am primarily a physical therapist. I've worked in the performance world my whole career. Right. I own a gym. Right. So like I get strength and conditioning, but like I am drawn to your style. Like mm-hmm. in, and you know, I mean, it, I, I, how much of that do you think it's because you and Bill collaborate on, on the vision of iFast? Was that big, a big part of the beginning? Yeah, I think it had to be right. Uh, I think the thing that makes Bill and I unique is 
neither one of us has ever been singular in our focus. So mm. here's what I mean by that. When I came out of college and, you know, I'd spent that time in the research lab and I'd been working in the athletic weight room, my first real like paying gig out of college was essentially doing rehab in the back of a chiropractic clinic. Oh, no way. Years. Really? I didn't know. Really? That, right? Yeah. <laughs> so literally zero rehab experience. It's like, hey, here we go. Uh, Betty is 85 years old and has chronic <laughs> back pain. What are you going to do with her? Like legitimately, those are the people I'm working with. Uh, so being the person that I am, I was like, well, I don't want Betty to have more pain because I'm treating her. So, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can. So, so I had a very rehab focused time in my life that helped me appreciate that end of the spectrum. Right. right? And then in parallel, Bill is a physical therapist, but he wasn't even a closet bodybuilder. Like he was a true bodybuilder yeah, right, for extended yeah. periods of time. So while he was a PT by trade, he was very into the strength training and the performance side of what we do. So I think it was that appreciation for the ends of the spectrum that most people don't have that brought us together because, right. man, I could sit there and talk to him about, you know, this personal training client that I have that has chronic knee pain. He'd help me with that. And, you know, I remember when he was like, oh, man, I want to do a powerlifting meet. I don't remember how old he was. I don't think he was 50 yet. But randomly, Bill's like, yeah, I'm going to do a powerlifting <laughs> meet. I'm like, awesome, let's go. And Let's we drove program. to Bloomington, yeah. So we had a bro fest and he went and lifted and we ate steaks afterwards. It was amazing. So, but I think that's why, that's why he and I get along so well. It's probably why I get along with a lot of physical therapists pretty well, because I have a deep respect for what you guys do. Like I recognize the level of education that you guys take, um, the amount of time and care that it takes to be a good physical therapist. Cause I've been in that space. I've had a few wins and I've had some losses too. Mm -hmm. So it's that relatability and that understanding of what you guys go through. I think that helps me get along well with a lot of different people in the industry, just because I can share some of those experiences with them. That's great. Great. And and, and I think we all, we have kind of all grew up together online a little bit too, where yes. we were all learning, we were all collaborating and, and, you know, like yourself, Eric Cressy, Tony Gentilcore, you know, even like the Ben Brunos, the Dean Somerset. I mean, there's, there's so yeah. many of us at the, at, over the years, like, you know, we collaborated on things, we tackled things, we did cool, uh, cool, like projects together. I, I think it was just us all growing together. And, you know, you take a step back and you look and you, you realize how much influence we've all had on each other. It's been pretty neat to see. Yeah. Well, there's just, the internet was a different place. 15, 20 years ago, right? <laughs> right? It was nice, like, right? It, was it, it really was. Like, unless you went to some of the dodgy forums where people right. were just angry yes. and wanted to complain about everything. And, and those existed, yes. Yes, the, the angry <laughs> forums were a thing. Uh, yeah. But by and large, it was it was a very collaborative time, right? And right. I could read something of yours or something of Eric's and all of a sudden you and I could collaborate on something or we'd have an email exchange or, you know, crazy thing we'd call each other on our phones our telephones we'd hit numbers and call each other but but again it was fun and it was collaborative because we were all learning we we're all excited and we just wanted to push the industry forward i think right. that's one of the things that people miss out on like yeah we're we're entrepreneurs and we want to make money and all that great stuff but we were very thirsty for knowledge about learning about getting better and working together was a surefire way to help us do that Right. I, I mean, think about it. There's, we, I say this a lot, right? But it's really hard to innovate nowadays. It's hard to be an innovator. Yeah. But, the, you know, the way you can still innovate is by learning from outside your realm and applying it to your realm. 
Yes. And that's that's what we all did. And that's what we all did that together. And I think that's that's why, you know, people like I, I think people, you know, see us all as as similar people that have influenced, uh, you know, people's educational style over the years. So um, it was it was always good to see. But um, but one of the things I think that I've learned the most from you and that I look up to the most from you is um, your programming style. And and just the way you program, I think, is very systems mindset, which is what I am. It's very, uh, you know, holistic where you're, you work, you want to make sure you're getting all aspects of athleticism, stuff like that. It just a lot of what you do is, is, um, very similar to what we built at champion. And a lot of it has to do with learning from people like yourself and the Mike Boyles and, you know, even Mark Verstegen back in the day. I mean, there's so many people that like at, when this all was coming together it was really nice, but programming is really what I like. But ironically, when I talk to our students and I talk to our strength interns, I think that's the area that they, they're nervous about the most. Mm -hmm. it, they all want to know how they can improve their programming skills. And they're so insecure about it, right? And it's just one of those things that just seems like you're like, oh, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried. Am I going to be able to write a program with them? And I always tell them, look, you'll get better. You'll get more comfortable with time. Uh, what sort of advice do you give people at this point in their early career when they're anxious about programming and are, are what they're going to build for this person actually help them achieve their goals? Like, how do you how do you help somebody in that process? We'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeReinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my inner circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeRonald.com to get started. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, the first thing I try and do is empathize, right? Because, I mean, I've been writing programs for 22 years now. And I still have these thoughts sometimes, right? It's like, <laughs> oh man, no, like you get in there and you're like, I got a great idea. And then it just doesn't hit, right? Or it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't flow the way that you want it to. So just know that this is never like a done deal. You're never like, oh, check the box. I'm a world-class program designer. Like you never get to that point or you never feel like that point, right? Like you just never right. feel like you're quite there. So like you, I always tell people it gets easier with reps. Right. Right. Anytime you try something new with your programming, it's awkward. It's slower. Um, and I can think of numerous times where like I started learning all of Lee Taft's speed stuff. Right. So now it's like what would normally take 15 minutes to write a program update is taking 45. Right. <laughs> right. Or I learned Joel Jameson's conditioning stuff and it's <laughs> like, okay, this used to take 20 minutes. Now it's taking an hour. Right. But anytime you add something new, it takes time to assimilate it and smooth it out and make it your own. So just know nothing is your own right now, right? When you're right. starting out, you're just this like mixture of your personal experiences, the training styles that have influenced you, what you like doing. It's There's nothing to kind of smooth that path out early on. It's just reps. Right. So I always tell people, don't sweat it. It takes time. But there are two hard answers that I think could probably help you out. Number one, whenever you get stuck, ask yourself, if I could only achieve one thing with this program, what would it be? Because a lot of times what you see is when somebody gets stuck writing a program or they get overwhelmed, it's because they're thinking, oh, well, this person wants to shed body fat 
and improve their mobility and get stronger and build muscle and get in better shape. It's like, look, there's way too many goals in that one program. So you got to narrow your scope, narrow your focus, right? So that would be my first piece of advice. That's great. The second piece of advice that I would give you is to really question why you're putting elements in your program. So one of the things we're notorious for at IFAST with our interns is the program defense. And we hype it up, right? We want them to be uncomfortable and come in a little sweaty. uh, And so we make them uncomfortable going into it. But in all honesty, the one piece of advice I give them is, hey, look, there has to be a rationale for everything in your program. So legitimately, I could go to the third exercise on the second day of the week, look at the set rep scheme, and you should be able to say why you chose three by eight. And I know that sounds incredibly mundane, if you don't have a rationale for why you're doing stuff, why is it in the program? Right. Right. And I think right now, a lot of people get caught up in programming FOMO, right? Like, oh, if I don't put this in, like they're no, no. Like the best programs have willful omission written all over them, right? There's so many things you could do, but you're omitting them because it's not going to move the needle significantly. Right. So I think those are two things, you know, ask yourself why, And then always remember to keep the main thing, the main thing, like what is the one goal and always come back to that and focus on that. I like that. And I've seen young people also on a similar note, chase things, right? They, they go to a new course this weekend or, you know, somebody recommends they read this book and they get in this and then they just start adding and adding and adding. Mm -hmm. And then, and it, it starts to get raveled up. And when you take a step back and you, and you say it from your lens that you just described there. Well, why is that in there? There's there's six things that they're working on now because they're trying to do everything. And then yeah. when you try to do everything, you do everything poorly, right? Yeah. So I legitimately tell people to remember one program is just one program. And again, sounds simple, right? But there's only so much you can do in one program. Like right. if you squat 250 and you write one program, you're not magically going to be at 400 at the end of that. unless you're on some pretty heavy supplements, you know, (laughs) like it takes time, right? So maybe that 250, you know, is 260 at the end of that month. And maybe it's 265 or 270. So if you kind of take it with a grain of salt and you realize, hey man, one program, just one program, there's only so much I can do in that program. It takes kind of the stress off of that. Yeah. Right. Because it shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be difficult. There's only so much you can accomplish in a month. And when you're okay with that, and you start to think about the long term, right? Hey, one month is just one month. But if I string 12 good months together, what does that look like? Now you've right. got a totally different client or athlete standing in front of you. Yeah. And and sometimes you have to tell them that too, where you say like, look, you, you can't write programs month to month and just sit down every month with a blank piece of paper and be like, okay, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Right? Like th- there has to be a plan in place. Like you said, so this is just one program. Well, let's think of what the next 12 months are, right? Your online training program, is it yeah. a one-month program or a 12-month program? It's legitimately right. 12 months, but <laughs> broken into four three-month segments, right? That right. all have a unique theme and goal to them. Right, right. And that, and and I, I think everyone, they're, they're worried about making that one program perfect where they don't think about, well, how's this going to progress this next cycle, right? You have to, you have, you have to think those things. I, I, I think everybody has it in them, right? If you've gone through school, you've done an internship or something like that, you have it in you. It's just, like you said, it's the reps. You need the experience yeah. to just say that, 
this program will produce results. I just haven't, I, I, I know it will, but by my book smarts, but I haven't seen it yet in real life. Um, and that's where just, you know, getting with somebody like yourself, like doing an internship at, uh, at a really nice place like yourself. Um, that's where I think like people can really advance their skills faster too, is by making mistakes around people that have been through it. So that way they can recover faster. Yeah, dude. I wish somebody would have told me when I was young that mistakes are okay. Mm. Because I think I lived probably the first 35 years of my life thinking that if I made a mistake, like it was a a, a poor character reflection of myself, right? Like I was a <laughs> right. bad person versus like, no, like everybody makes mistakes and yeah. great people make mistakes frequently. The goal is if you make a mistake to question why it happened and make fewer mistakes the longer you do it, right? Like, right. again, I've written programs for like 22 years now. I still write programs that aren't great or I, you know, make a mistake when I'm writing something like that happens. The goal is to learn from it so that you make fewer and fewer the longer you do this. That's perfect. And and with experience, you get your judgment. And that's, Absolutely. you know, you can't expect to have that on day one, but that doesn't make you a bad coach. Absolutely. Right? There, there's so many people with like imposter syndrome, just like feeling bad about themselves with this where, like you, you have it. You just, you just got to get out there and spread your wings a little bit. Well, and I just did a talk. I can't even remember where it was now, but like in the last year, I did a talk about imposter syndrome. And the really bad thing about imposter syndrome is it hits hardest on the people that are the most inquisitive, that are the most <laughs> right. curious, right? Right. It's not, right. it's not the person that's doing the same workout every day with the same, you know, 80 year old grandma, Betty and 12 year old little Johnny, they're all doing the same workout. That guy's not the guy dealing with imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> it's those of us that are really out there trying to get better, trying to learn. We're the ones that are always like, oh man, I don't know if this is good enough. Yeah, right. So from your perspective as the employer, you're looking for the people with imposter syndrome. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and eventually they'll grow into their confidence, right? Exactly, like it's, with it's experience. It takes time. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's a sucky well, answer. It's a sucky answer. Like it takes time. It takes reps. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's the stone cold truth. But surround yourself with people like yourself. And if, if, if you can't, you can't do an internship or you're in a, you know, a remote area of the country, that's fine. There's tons of educational opportunities out there. There's mentoring groups you can join. Um, heck, I would sign up for Mike's online program and just train with them for a year, right? What yeah. better way to experience programming than doing it yourself, yeah. right? So there's so many, so many ways to do it. But um, I, I know the way we program at Champion is very similar to, to your style. Yep. And probably again, just because I've learned so much from you over the year, probably had some carryover, right? But um, I wish this was here before we started Champion, but it wasn't. I think you've 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 kind of been chasing this out a little bit more lately the last several years. But you you've kind of expanded on this this R seven system that you've come up with that I was really impressed with when I saw you present it one time and actually start to articulate it because again, it shows you you know you have that mindset. You have that system-based mindset and you're trying to make sure that you, you, you have everything strategically planned. Um, can you tell us a little bit about R7, like R, like the letter R I'm in Boston. I can't say R, so that might sound weird, <laughs> but it's R, R7, yes. but, um, yes. uh, but, uh, tell us a little bit about R7 and the different components and, you know, we could probably, you know, do a podcast episode on each one of them, but tell us a little bit about your system and you know, where it came from, how you built it and, and like what, what the different components are. I'd love to learn more. Yeah. So I'll never get tired of talking about this, but really R7 
started in my mind in 2008, but didn't come to fruition until about 2012. So if you came into IFAST in 2008, you were working with me or Bill, like period. We had no employees. We had no staff. It was us. And the good side to that is you worked with Bill or I. The downside to that is if you're just a normal human being, Bill and I may be hard to decipher from a technical perspective, right? <laughs> so I think about our programs and legitimately the first thing on our program was soft tissue mobilization, right? So it's like your name, program 1.0 date, soft tissue mobilization. Now, if you're listening to this show, you might know that soft tissue mobilization means like self-myofascial release, right? It's a lacrosse ball or a stick or, you know, foam roller, whatever you have access to. But no Gen Pop client that walks in our gym has any clue what soft tissue mobilization <laughs> right. is. Right. And so as we start to get into this, we realize our clients, they do what we ask them because they get results, but they have no clue why they're doing anything in their program. Right. So, again, it's like 2012, myself, Bill Hartman, and then Eric Otter, uh, who was an intern, a staff member, now is like the medical director for the Memphis Grizzlies because he's wicked wicked smart. Uh, <laughs> the three of us are, are in Bill's office, right? In his purple room. And we're like, we have to figure this out. We have to make this more palatable. So we start throwing out these R words and it just starts coming together, right? R1 is release, reset, readiness, reactive, resistance, resiliency, recovery. So now... First off, the terminology is way easier to understand, right? Right. From the layperson as For well the lay as person, future employees and everything. It, it's so much easier to understand. But also there's almost this emotive response, right? So even if it's Grandma Betty, who's never worked out in her entire life, right? Release. Oh, yeah, that's with the foam roller. I roll on the outside of my leg. It hurts like hell for about 10 or 15 seconds. But when I stand up, my knee doesn't hurt and I've got more mobility. <laughs> right like, nailed it. <laughs> it right like they get it right reset oh that's uh, breathing or whatever the corrective exercises readiness that's the warm-up so all these words just make a lot more sense to yeah. everybody that walks in Again, and like you I, alluded to go ahead i was gonna interrupt for a second here because i yeah. want to call bs on you a little bit there's uh, no way you guys start brainstorming and all these words begin with r like it had to be like half of them were R and then you're like, well, let's make them all R. Like, well, that they... might've been, that might've been, you know, <laughs> yeah. like resiliency. Okay. First off, resiliency was originally regenerate. And then that's uh, close. That's close. Yeah, it was I close. like resilience better. Yeah. Well, Donnell Boucher, I think was at the Citadel. I don't know if he's still there. He was the one that's like, I like resiliency better. I'm like, I do too. So I need to give Donnell a shout out because he helped me with that one. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it wasn't perfect. But that was kind of the trend. And then we're like, oh, now we've got seven R's. I mean, you, you made it sound like a fairy tale. You're just like, all these R words just start part just, of like, no, you guys put a lot of one work hour later, <laughs> one hour later, the heavens yeah. shine down and we had our answer. Uh, but the great thing was what we created on the front end for our clients actually worked incredibly well for our coaches as well. So if you've ever worked in a facility where there's tons of different coaches and trainers, it looks very incongruent when one person's over here doing like real proper training. Somebody's just doing cardio for an hour. Somebody's just doing burpees, you know, until their client vomits. Like there's no congruency there. And that's definitely not what we wanted at iFast, right? Mm -hmm. But we had all these people with different backgrounds, different lenses. Like at the time, Bill's a physical therapist. I don't even know what to describe myself as. I'm just kind of a very broad generalist. 
We had Ty Terrell, who had came up under Lee Taft. So he's amazing with speed and agility. Jay Chung was training our fat loss clients. So if all these people are just left to their own devices to write programs, again, it's not going to be very congruent. So now we just give them this model and this template, right? Like, hey, do whatever you do, but make it fit within these broad strokes. So now everybody's using the same language. Anybody can pick up somebody else's program and have an idea as to what they're trying to do with their workouts. And overall, it just made everything we did look more polished, a little bit smoother, right? And so again, something that we started really for our clients' benefit turned out to be a huge benefit for us as a staff and as a team as well. Yeah, I, I can imagine being an intern there, but then like in future employees, I mean, everything is just so much easier. If you're listening to this and you're a strength coach, or even if you're even like a physical therapist and you're starting to write like some like late stage programming, I, you have to think this way. You have to think about all these different components that go into a program and come up with them in this, this fashion. Now, they don't all have to have to rhyme like Mike's do or whatever. They don't have to yeah. all start with R, but like <laughs> you, you, you have to, you have to, you have to think this way in order to get consistent results. And then even if you're just coaching by yourself, you just opened up a gym by yourself, you start this way from day one. So that way your ability to scale just becomes so much easier as you grow. It's It, it will become obvious to you when it's you're ready to add employees and people helping you. And it will be so easy to do if you do it in this fashion. So, you know, again, like kudos to you for doing that, Mike, because um, I, I, I think it's a game changer for our whole industry as, as much as it's helped you guys at iFast. Well, I appreciate that. And here's one of the things that I think is really been beneficial. Like you talked about it for late stage rehab. You can use this system at any stage of training, right? And here's the great thing about it. Like let's say R4, which is reactive or your power work. If you're with an early stage ACL or something, you're probably not doing power work, right? But the slot is still there. So if you leave it right. out, it's willful omission, right? right? Right. And so I think that's a big difference between, hey, I'm willfully omitting something or I just forgot to put something in. Right. 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 Or I didn't think about it. So I think that's the beauty of it. It's just you can scale it. You can use whatever activities you use. You can, you know, plug and play with the things that you're most comfortable coaching, queuing. Like there's really no guardrails on it other than, hey, this is the general ebb and flow of the session and how it should look. That's that's brilliant and and such a good way of outlining it. So uh, so briefly, just so people get a taste of it, because I want to learn from your programming style too, and not just like the why, but the what, uh, yep. which, what, what are the seven components and like, give me like the elevator pitch for each one so we can understand how you do it. And and when you say one through seven, by the way, you do them in this order, right? That's the mm -hmm. way they're laid out. Like this is the sequential progression of one of their sessions too, right? Yes. This is literally how we would write a program at iFast or if you worked with me online. So like R1 is your release. So that's your foam rolling, soft tissue work, anything like that that you would do in the gym. R2 is your resets. Now, resets, sometimes it's a love-hate relationship. I don't care what you throw in here, right? Sometimes it's breathing-based activities. Sometimes it's crawling. Sometimes it's your classic corrective exercises. Whatever you're going to do to optimize biomechanical position before a session, that's your R2. That's your reset. You're just trying to get your client or athlete in a better position before they start warming up. R3 is readiness. Again, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty clear and concise one, but that's your warm-up, right? And right. there's lots of ways you can look at that physiologically, getting tissues warm, prepping the nervous system. Uh, there's the biomechanical side. There's the specific side. Like if you're going to go 
and sprint that day. You don't just start sprinting, you know, max effort 40s. You do some buildups and 10s and 20s, but you prepare yourself. So that's readiness, R3. R4 is your reactive. So that's any of your speed, power, explosiveness type training. And this is where, too, where people start to say, oh, well, I like, you know, whatever, medicine balls, and I like plyometrics. Again, I don't care what tools sure. you use. It's the <laughs> yeah, tool right. that works best for you in, right, your, right. in your context or your environment. But Yeah, in your population, right? The person absolutely. that needs it. Right, right. Absolutely. But this is something that, you know, we might talk about later, but like R4, a lot of people would skip power work with their gen right. pop clients or their older populations. We put that stuff in. Right. Right. Because we know that power development yeah. deteriorates as you get older. Right. So we think it's something important to keep in. So we go R4, reactive. R5 is your resistance, your general strength training. R6 is your resiliency or your metabolic work. And then R7 is recovery. And so this is where I always try and convince my clients and athletes like, hey, look, all the things that you just did are great for you physiologically, but your nervous system is is pretty revved up. You're very sympathetically driven at this point. So my job before you leave is to bring that back down, kind of kickstart that parasympathetic process and kickstart recovery so that you recover faster. And the next time you want to come in the gym, you're fitter and fresher for doing that. So that is kind of the R7 approach. And the way I try and describe it to give you a mental model is it's kind of like a bell curve, right? You don't walk in the gym. Well, maybe if you're going into one of these big powerlifting gyms, right? You just drink like three Red Bulls, Pantera the whole way in as loud as possible, <laughs> sniff an ammonia cap, and then you bang out 405. But but for the normal humans in the crowd, right? It's a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more buildup. So you foam roll, you do your breathing and your resets, then you start to trend up, right? You do your readiness, your power and your explosiveness when you're fresh. You hit your heavy weights or your strength training when you're fresh. As you fatigue, you hit your metabolic work. And then to kind of flatten that curve out and come back to baseline, that's when you do your breathing and your recovery work before you leave the gym. So that's great. I work a little bit better with a picture, uh, but hopefully that's a good enough mental model that people can envision kind of that bell curve that every training session should look like. Yeah. And I, I think it makes sure that yourself and then every coach that's working at your facility delivers a very similar product to people, even if it's, you know, maybe different uh, ingredients, it's the same recipe, right? Yeah. I think that yeah. that's, that's, that's fun for the person involved. But I, I bet you that it's indirectly educating your people more than you probably even realized at the beginning, right? Where just this terminology and applying that, the people understand these concepts of training probably better than just reading soft tissue mobilization, like you said, like, what does that mean? Right. Like, so yeah. I, I feel like then this turns your clients into uh, almost like smarter gym goers, right, where they understand this process more and then they can be better advocates for their own training in the future. It's a yeah. it's a win win for you both. It, it's huge. Right. And I think one of the big things that I found is buy in is consistently higher now. Sure. Right? Like they they just intuitively understand like, oh, I get why I'm doing these things. So buy in is better which means they're training harder, which means they get better results. Right. That's great. All right. So for, I, I don't want to lose people's attention right now. So, so people that want to learn more about R7 themselves, what's, what's the best product that you have to teach them that? Yeah. The complete coach certification uh, is probably the best way to learn that. And it, it's a pretty in-depth product because I got tired of people asking for like the first 15 years of my career, like, Hey, if I could just buy one product, of yours to learn your systems, what would it be? And I, did, I didn't have it. 
right? I yeah, had a mobility right. product, upper right. body, lower body, knees, whatever. Uh, so I com- I com- I created the Complete Coach Cert to basically give people that can't come to iFast or intern at iFast access to basically the way I assess clients, write programs, coaching queue, progress, regress activities. It's basically all of that in an online course. So that's great. And, and a great resource for coaches, but also like even PTs that want to get into this. So it's it's great. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you apply R7 to different people, right? Like how would that change between somebody brand new to the gym versus somebody that's been trading with you for years or, you know, and an older client versus a young athlete? Like how, how do you adapt that system to each person? This is such a great question. And I think intuitively it makes sense to touch all these bases if you're training an athlete, right? Like if right. you're training a basketball player or a soccer player, you know, hey, they need to be able to run fast and jump high and, you know, move heavy external loads and be conditioned to be successful in their sport. Like that makes sense. But I think where a lot of people, at least initially, like I caught a lot of flack for this, Mike, like a lot of flack when I used to say like 10 years ago, I'm like, no, legitimately, everybody's an athlete. And I oh, have really? people like, oh, no, I caught so much shit for this. I, sorry, I don't know if I can say that. So much. Because people are like, no, you can't say that. Like, I never played a sport. I'm like, that's not the point of this. Right. The point is, everybody has athleticism in them. Whether they ever yeah. played a sport or not is irrelevant. And you need to think like that. Yeah. Right? Because even if it's just longevity, if you're 70 years old and you've never been in a gym, and we've had people like this, you need to start taking care of these physical qualities before they deteriorate, right, right? Right. Well, they're probably already deteriorating, but hey, let's tie the end of the rope and let's hang on as long as we can. Yeah. So all that you have to do is scale the workout to the person in front of you. So, you know, top of mind right now is tall Dave, Dave Shock, who works at, at IFAST. Dave is amazing with our Gen Pop clients because he buys into this wholeheartedly. We have like 80 year olds that come in our gym and they're going to go play golf, right? They're going to go play golf two to three times a week. So if they're going to do power outside of the gym, how can we train power in the gym? Yeah. Now, again, this is where people would come with the straw straw man of, well, they're not, you can't have them jump on a box. You're right. I'm not going to have an 80 year old <laughs> jump on a box. But right. what I will do is have them throw a medicine ball. Right. Why not? Right. Or maybe they could do a medicine ball slam, something where they don't have to catch it, but they can try and demonstrate whatever power they have access to we're going to find a way to do that. Right. And, you know, sometimes when we're talking about resiliency or we're talking about conditioning, it's very clear if you train a soccer player or a basketball player or a football player, the needs and the demands of their sport. For a lot of our gym pop clients, they need that general aerobic development. Right. Or we're going to create circuits for them. So instead of, hey, just go, you know, hit that bike for 30 minutes, we're going to have them just do a big circuit where they drag a sled. Uh, they carry a, a kettlebell in an offset fashion. Um, they're going to maybe do some biking in there. You know, they're going to do all of these like functional active movements for an extended period of time. So we check a lot of boxes. We check the aerobic development box. We get them doing like functional activities that they would do when they're outside. Like one of our most amazing clients, Nisa, if she ever hears this, she's like our <laughs> office manager. We call Sorry, her the Nisa. queen. Yes. Love Nisa. But Nisa loves to garden. So we have to prepare her to condition for long periods of time for gardening. Right. And so she loves the fact that, you know, I won't say her age on here, 
But of all the women in her age group that she hangs out with, she's the only one that can pick up 50 pound bags of rocks and carry them when she gardens. So it's stuff like that. Uh, And so I think that's the fun thing about this is you're not limited, right? Nobody says that just because you're over 40, you can't be explosive or you can't train like an athlete. Like if you want to leave it out because the person isn't interested in that, that's fine. Um, But find ways to challenge all of the different domains of fitness with your clients and athletes. And, you know, again, it's easy with athletes because it just intuitively makes sense. But I think when you widen your scope with your gen pop clients, they really resonate with it because a lot of times they just think, oh, it's just going in the gym and how much can I squat or bench or deadlift because they've been trained by a power lifter. There's nothing wrong with getting stronger, but I think health, wellness, fitness is a much broader domain than just get as strong as humanly possible. That's great. That's great. Uh, it, it, I love seeing the system mindset in yourself, right? And the way you develop this, there's, there's so many positives to that for both you, your clients, your employees, everybody. I love that. Um, another area that we're starting to apply some systems at, at champion is, is a little bit in the sports science realm. Um, and you know, I, I thought this would be a good question to ask for you because you've been doing this for a long time. Like you said, you've been doing this for over 20 years. And things are changing, right? Yeah. And we're, we're starting to get more to, you know, data science and, you know, tracking training variables and stuff like that. Uh, how much has technology changed you, yourself, and IFAST, what you guys do every day? You know, things like force plates, velocity-based training, anything else that you guys might be using. But how much are you incorporating technology into the gym now compared to what you did at the beginning? Well, first off, considering we had no technology <laughs> when we started, like, you again, Wi-Fi. like it was Spartan. People that came yeah. to IFAST were like, this is it? Yeah, this is it. Right, we had yeah, three yeah. racks, a uh, gold Schwinn Airdyne that we bought off Craigslist for 200 bucks, <laughs> a Prowler and a 24 kilo kettlebell. That was it. Let's uh, go. So it, it's evolved. But like, let me be really honest. It's evolved a lot in the last two to three years. Um, so my background was in sports science, right? Like I got a master's degree in in sports biomechanics. The downside was like nobody had 50K laying around to go buy an in-ground force plate. True. Versus now, you know, whether it's Vault or Hawken, whatever, you know, system or group you go with, you can get a really good set of force plates for like 6,000 bucks. Right. And that may sound like a lot, but in the grand scheme, if you're thinking the long-term and being able to, to track things for an extended period of time, the amount of information you can pull from these things is amazing. Right. So I am very much in my infancy of getting back into this. You can't see it, but I've just got like articles, you know, I'm back to all the journal articles and like finding the references, (laughs) but I love it. Right. Because for me, the more I can get away from just the subjective part of, oh, I feel like, or, oh, I think, no, I want more data whenever possible, like I'm not going to take my coach's eye and experience out of it, but I want to put it through a better filter of, no, this is what it's actually showing me, right? So force plates very much in their infancy. We've used VVT uh, using a gym aware for at least the last six or seven years. Um, I love that. I don't use it as much with certain athletes because they're just not as skilled with a barbell right? Mm, or with some of the traditional right. barbell lifts, but definitely with my guys that play football, rugby, that sort of thing. Uh, the great thing about using velocity-based training is it takes all the negotiation out of how heavy we should train. Mm. So like, I got one guy in particular, like the football mentality is 
yo, bro, I benched 315 last week. I got to do 325 this week. <laughs> right. And so my retort now is, hey, man, if you can get 325 and you're in this zone, great. But if you're at 285 and you're in this zone, you're still getting the training adaptation that I want. Yeah. So it takes that negotiation out of it while also simultaneously making sure they're working hard every single day. Yeah. The way they should be. Velocity. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Even to the point now, partially based off of uh, the podcast you did with me on BFR, but you know, some of these like post rehab where Mm. they're, they're through the acute phase, but maybe there's still some lagging uh, muscle size issues. We started using a lot more BFR this last off season, saw some really good results with some of our basketball guys. You know, we had a, uh, a basketball player we worked with who's had a knee issue for like six years. And so he had yeah. one really juicy left quad. Yeah. Re- like stick man's right, right yeah. quad. It, so, it's hard to get your quads strong when your knee hurts, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's right. Yeah. So as part of like a holistic program, you know, he was seeing Bill and he got, you know, good resets and we, we did some things that we thought helped improve it, but we threw some BFR in there. Yeah. So I think, I think at this point in time, if you're leery or scared, it's okay. Right. Because (laughs) my degree is in this, but 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm leery and I'm scared. Right. And it's like, (laughs) hey, man, we're, we're very much at the front of this way. Yeah. So get on board now because stuff's only going to get bigger and bigger the longer we go. Yeah. Uh, The the real question will will be how much of it is valuable? How much of it influences our decision making? Um, How much of it is practical? Right. Because I'm not you know, working for an NBA or an NFL or major league baseball team. I don't have the same resources, but man, I think it's, as Drake would say, it's what a time to be alive, man. There's so much (laughs) cool stuff out there that we can be learning about to help us get better answers and dive deeper into what really underpins performance for our athletes. Yeah. And I, I, I think it fits the R7 system, right? Because you have those different components of athleticism and how to use the body. I mean, to be able to look at somebody and say, you know what, you're you're pretty strong, but you don't move that fast enough, or your rate of force development is not what we need it to be, or something like that. It's 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 actually not a ton of extra work on our end to make some tweaks to a program that could be gigantic to their impact. Yeah, and yeah. and that's that's exciting. You're you're not guessing anymore, right? right. It's very clear. And the great thing is, if you take the time to do this, more time on the front end, yes. But in general, when you take more time on the front end, you're more successful on the back end. So now it gives me some great conversation points. So the guy that always just wants to bang heavy weights, you know, just he wants to train like a power lifter, but he plays football. I can say, hey, look, dude, here's what I see, like your dynamic strength index, like your reactivity. You need more ballistics. You need more power development. The other guy that's like, oh, I don't ever lift heavy. Well, his, you know, DSI is like 0.88. I'm like, look, dude, you can do all the bouncy explosive stuff you want. Like you just need to get a little bit stronger. So it allows me to have these conversations, take my emotions out of it and hopefully come at them with some like objective science and say, hey, look, here's why I want to do this. Let's make some moves with your program that will hopefully help you see better results. And again, buy-in is so easy when they can see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're starting to love it too. Cause once you get into a facility that does this now, like, you know, our traditional leaderboards are all different nowadays, right? They're different. Everybody knows their numbers right there. 
Heck, I was just doing some sprints in the timing gates because all the, the our pro guys were egging me on to do it and yeah. see, to see to see what number I can get and stuff. And it's funny, I got a governor switch that I never had before, but I think that comes <laughs> with parenting or something. But you, you know what I mean? Like that, it's it's so encouraging. And then the competitive nature of these athletes comes out. But then you put your normal adult fitness clients on it, you know, to a, a much smaller extent, right? But we still try yeah. to use force plates with them and stuff. And um, their inner athlete comes out as well, yeah. right? And and yeah. they want to see the progress over time. So um, that's awesome. So g- good to hear the, uh, you know, the, the way you guys have been building that at IFAST. And really appreciate you taking the time out to to kind of break down some of these things. I think this is very educational. Um, I, I, I think you're one of the best educational resources out there, Mike. I, I, I know you, I, I tell you that all the time, but, um, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out Mike's stuff. Uh, his complete coaching certification is a great start to learn all these things. His podcast is amazing too. But Mike, before we let you go, I'd like to end with a little high five. Do you do this in yours? Uh, I just call it the lightning round. I like the high five though. The high five I, is solid. I get some solid. I see. I think you and I are a little dorky in the same extent sometimes, but like I get some solid like eye rolls to that sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, but five, qu- five, qu- yeah, right. five quick questions, five quick answers. And really, you know, they're designed like I want to learn more about you, your growth mindset, stuff like that. But um, what are you currently working on for your own professional development right now, Mike? Mm, just just the force plate stuff dude i was gonna say you just kind of said it you see your pile of research articles behind you (laughs) yeah literally i mean it's like every night i mean this is the nerd in me right now it's like one a night that's pretty bad find a couple uh references so i'm always finding something new to to read about but you're printing them out still you're highlighted i'm old school dude i can't do it i can't do it i can't read it on an ipad just doesn't work man i don't know these things are pretty cool you guys should check the you should check these out i don't know you add the apple pencil to your ipad and you'll never go back you'll never go back i don't have the apple pencil maybe i need to go there Oh man, Re- and annotating and stuff on that. It's just magical. But anyway, right. sorry. Um, what is one thing that you've recently changed your mind about? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit out the silence. Yeah. A, no, I, I think that's where, you know, for me, it's like just coming back to like, I don't want to say I was averse to some of the sports science stuff two to three years ago. It's just like, I didn't see how I could make it. I didn't see practically how it would work. Right. right. In the sense that I, just economically, like right. if you if you own a small business or you own a small gym, six thousand dollars might seem like a large right. amount of money. And to, right. I started to think about, yeah, but how much better is this going to make every program? How much more uh, sellable? I don't know if that's an, uh, the appropriate word, but like how much easier will be I, I be able to sell everything that we do in our gym when I can show people hardline data and objective objective data that shows them, hey. This is where you're at and give them a very clear path on this is what we need to do to get you to where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's priceless, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I like it. Um, what's your favorite piece of advice that you give to uh, interns at your facility? Be patient. They hate it. You know, it's it's like the uh, coming back to the start. Like it just takes reps. Nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to hear, hey, come talk to me in 10 years and tell me how much different you are as a coach, as a clinician, right? You just can't fathom it until you have 10 years of wins and losses in your belt, right? you know? And it's it's not perfect. It's not the fairy tale, you know, like the R7 fairy tale. It's not that. 
You know, it takes 10 years of wins and losses. And then you're like, no, now I'm starting to get it. And then the next 10, you're like, okay. But I think that's what the people that stick around, like you're driven by the wins, maybe even more driven and motivated by the losses. Because those are real learning opportunities, right? When you start to think of it in that lens of like, hey, man, everybody everybody makes mistakes. Everybody takes losses. But man, those are those are opportunities for massive growth and massive learning. So when you kind of start to think like that, it makes everything easier. I like it. You're starting to get wise, Mike. That's wisdom right there. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not young anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, what's coming up next for your old self, Mike? What's what's uh, what, what can we look forward to from you? Uh, so I think one of the big things that I'm focused on this year, there's a couple one in-person seminars. So I did three of what I just describe as my complete coach seminars last year. I did one in Huntsville. I did one in Slovenia and I did one in West Hartford, Connecticut. This year, I've got one on tap for Seattle at Luca Hasabar's gym. And I'm looking to add maybe one or two more to that. So I love in-person seminars. I'm glad we're finally back in a day and age where we can do those. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, really trying to do, get back to my roots as far as content creation. I think it's easy to get away from it, but yeah. you know, I love the podcast. I love videos. I'm getting back to writing more. Yeah. Uh, and, and Good. Honestly, I don't care if anybody reads it. It helps me. It right. helps me process and streamline my thoughts. And I think it just, you talk about communication and presentation. Part of it is because I sat in front of a keyboard, like just mulling over something <laughs> for an hour or two and like, oh no, now I get why I do that. Yeah. I, I can explain it. So just getting back to content creation and then always like, again, I've said it like three times now, but the sports science stuff, dude, it's just like the next thing for me. Like, I feel like I'm pretty confident in my ability to watch somebody move and coach and cue them effectively. So how can I get better diagnostically? And be more precise with my programs, with the activities that I'm prescribing. So, man, lots on the plate, dude. I I love it. I'm just, I don't know. I'm excited to be here, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So how can people learn more about you? What's your best resources, like your website, your socials? Where where do you want to send people? Yep. So I always give people two options. If you're new to me, new to the game, you just want to see more of what I've done, go to robertsontrainingsystems.com. I'm not joking when I say thousands of pieces of content, blogs, articles, podcasts, videos, like there's so much content there. You could go there every day for years and find something new. So if you want free stuff, go to robertsontrainingsystems.com. If you're a trainer, coach, rehab professional that wants to really dive into my system and how I do things, go to completecoachcertification.com because that's basically the mother load, right? It's Mm -hmm. how I look at anatomy and movement assessments, uh, program design, coaching and queuing, progressions and regressions. Like there's just so much content there, but I think it's packaged in a really uniform and seamless fashion to where you could take a long weekend, go through all of it and hopefully come out on the back end and be a better coach or practitioner as a result. So I agree. those are the two best places, man. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been following you for, for forever. So I agree. All those great resources have been through your program. So I, I, I couldn't recommend them enough. So uh, thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate having us on or uh, you being on the podcast. I tell you, I'm still getting used to this interview thing, but thanks, right. thanks, for, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast.
And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to me. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRano.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And also be sure to search for my other podcast, The Ask Mike Reinold Show, where my team of physical therapists, strength coaches, and I answer your questions. See you on the next episode.